Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now back to our episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Grief to Growth. And today we've got with us uh, Mark Ehrlichs. I'm going to introduce Mark and then we're just going to have a conversation about Mark and what he does. Um, Mark Ehrlichs is an internationally known healer, intuitive author and ordained priest who was born in Chicago, Illinois. At the age of 20, Mark was given a profound spiritual, a profound gift that dramatically transformed his life and purpose forever. Mark has been initiated into two orders of Gnosticism. At the core of his teaching lies not only the awakening of the divinity and wellness within, within all, but also the experiential understanding of what is going on beyond the philosophical level. This understanding ensures real transformation and wellness of both mind and body, and Mark genuinely feels his gift of healing is available to all, which I'd like to talk to him about. And he teaches his unique techniques in experiential workshops, his writing, and individual appointments. Mark can be found at various expos around the country. So, Mark, I want to thank you for joining me today. It's an honor to have you here. Uh, it's such a pleasure. I'm honored to, uh, to be on your show here. So, um, I noticed when I was looking at your bio, it mentioned that you had a transformative experience at the age of 20. Could you tell us, is that kind of what started you in this? 
Yes, it is. Matter of fact, uh, I was in uh, pretty direful straits. I had just uh, gotten out of Vietnam and uh, a, a year prior, and uh, mentally and emotionally and physically, I was pretty distraught. And uh, I met a couple people who, uh, giving this short story, I met a couple people mm -hmm. that introduced me to uh, the order. Uh, that I'm still a part of, even though the order is dead. And I, I, I won't talk a lot about that, but uh, we're all together still in some semblance, uh, okay. or most of us are. And um, I w went before, uh, before I was accepted in the order, I had to go before what's called the Esoteric Council, uh, which was a, uh, a large body of people uh, uh, that were assigned to this. And uh, they uh, talked to me and asked me questions and stuff like that. And then um, the main person, uh, his name is Paul, he took uh, uh, me and introduced me, I should say, to a fellow named John. And uh, John uh, was a priest, and he was going to be my teacher. And John called me over to the window and says, I want you to go downstairs and go into that chapel, and in a little while, someone's going to pick you up and get you something to eat and show you where you're going to be sleeping. So I said, great. So I left, went downstairs, and uh, knocked on the door of the chapel. There was, uh, I looked in uh, when someone answered it, this one brother, and uh, he, uh, uh, well, it looked like there was literally no one else in there. So I said, great, you know, I'm going to have a good time, I'm thinking to myself. Uh, I didn't know what a chapel was. I was brought up Jewish. And... Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd never been in one in my life. Hmm. And uh, the fellow uh, said, well, you don't have to knock. You just come on in, you know, uh, if they sent you down here. I said, great. And so he said, anything else? I said, yeah. Uh, they told me to kneel before the Mary Shrine. And uh, and then, you know, just stay there for a little while. I said, fine to them. And hmm. here I am. And he said, uh well, what do you want? And I said, well, how do you kneel? And he got a little disgruntled, and I'd never been in a chapel. Mm -hmm. And I said, also, where's the Mary Shrine? And he looked at me real quizzically. And so he pointed it out to me and got even more disgruntled and kneeled for me and uh, just mm -hmm. walked out. And it, there was no one else in this place. So it was just a bunch of candles and I, uh, pictures on the wall of various religious uh, figures. And so I'm kneeling there at, at this little altar. And on the altar was a, uh, uh, it looked like a handmade doily uh, that covered the entire top. And then uh, there was a red candle uh, and there was a red rose in a beautiful leaden vase. Mm. So I'm moving this picture that looks like this woman with a white veil over her head because it looked like she was looking at me, one of those trick pictures or something. Uh -huh. and, uh, so I couldn't get any satisfaction with that. So then I started plucking the petals. I was bored. Uh, uh -huh. I was plucking the petals of the rose, putting them in my pocket, uh, blowing out the candle, relighting it. And I found myself getting really tired. And I figured, okay, when this guy left, the door creaked. So if anyone came in, I would hear it and I'd be able to get up. I looked like I was just kneeling there. So after uh, a couple moments, I decided to put my head down and go to sleep. 
And mm. so as I was putting my head down, then all of a sudden I found myself uh, in this semi-dream state. I was conscious of the noises outside, but yet I was picturing myself just looking out in this area that went on forever, further uh, hmm. than the eye can see. And it was like a maze in the old English countrysides with really tall hedges. Mm-hmm. And it was all around me in my vision, uh, inside my head. And I thought, this is neat. And um, I wasn't hallucinating. Uh, I didn't think. Uh, I wasn't in a sleep. Uh, I wasn't dreaming. And so it's like a vision, in, a vision in your head? Yeah, it, okay. it literally. And it felt like I was there. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself somewhere uh, in that maze. I, I didn't know where because it went on forever. And it was a little grassy knoll area. And there was what looked like an old Chicago park bench with green slats of wood, ornate wrought iron, and it could seat three easily. And that was next to me. And then in front of me was this road that was about maybe 15, 20 feet wide. And there was forest all around. Mm. And the road led into an alcove that went into the forest. And uh, you couldn't see into it. It was so dark and lush and green. And then to the right, it went into what looked like a monistic type structure, handmade stone structure with a wooden door on the front. And it came down and a procession of brown robed monks came out. They were 10 long and four deep. Wow. And the, as they all passed me, they had their hoods over the heads, their arms under their sleeves, and their, uh, the robes went past their feet. You couldn't see them nor their faces uh, because of the hood. Mm-hmm. And they kept on going into that alcove that went into the forest. And then the third one deep stepped out, took his uh, hands out of his sleeves, put his hood back, and came up to me and introduced himself to me, and I introduced myself to him. Wow. And uh, so uh, then I found us sitting on the bench facing each other, and he was asking me questions about healing to bring information out of me and more conscious, I assumed, later. Mm-hmm. And I was asking him questions, and he would be elaborating on them. Then the uh, procession came back, and uh, he went back into his place. And they went into that uh, monastic-type structure, what looked like one, and the, uh, the ramp door went back up. And then all of a sudden, someone tapped me on the shoulder. I swung my head around, and there was this funky-looking dude in a robe that uh, said, hey, I'm sorry, I'm a little late. Uh, I'm here to get you something to eat, show you where we're going to be sleeping. I said, wow. <laughs> That's all I could say was, wow. Wow, yeah, exactly. And so... Uh, Walked out, the, walked out the door, and it was dark out. And I looked at my watch. I had been in it for five and a half hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So it was uh, – then I got something to eat, and I, I was taken to my quarters, and uh, uh, that was it. So but what led you to the chapel? I mean, you said you were, you were a Jewish kid? and what, Yeah. What yeah. I was on, uh, it, it was – you know, at a time in my life, I had just gotten out of Vietnam a year prior, mm-hmm. and I was in pretty direful straits. Mm-hmm. And 
there's a story before that. Um, uh, during those direful times, I was in Arizona at the time. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was actually in the process of killing myself uh, mm-hmm. during that time. And I had to, uh, there was something that kept telling me inside uh, my my parents are going to come to Arizona from Chicago and they're going to see uh, my body. They're going to be embarrassed as it is. And they're going to be embarrassed with all the dirty laundry that's all around. Yeah. And so I had this fantastic need, as corny as it sounds, to do my laundry. So with tunnel vision, with nothing else in my head, I had to do my laundry. And that was the only thing that was... Uh, focused in my mind and in my sight. So I picked it all up, put it in my duffel bag, walked out. I didn't even have enough money to drive uh, for gas. And Mm -hmm. so I had to walk two blocks down the road to the laundromat. Mm -hmm. And as I did, um, somewhere in the background, far, far away, as when someone has tunnel vision, there's nothing else you can see or hear. Mm -hmm. But somewhere all the way back in my mind, was this car that was honking and it was uh, just very far away and it kept getting louder and louder and louder and it was breaking my focus and I really hated that. I was mad. Mm. And then I, my focus was broken enough that I turned to my left and I saw in the street about 10 feet away this car with these two women in it and they're saying, come on in, we'll give you a ride. Uh, and I said, leave me alone. You know, I don't want to leave me alone. And they kept on insisting. Then finally, uh, my focus was totally broken. I just knew that I had to do my laundry. So I said, okay. So I got in the back seat and they started taking off. And as they were taking off, the driver, whose name was um, Patricia, Mm -hmm. she uh, started telling me about my life from childhood all the way up to uh, the current time. It was not stopped not asking me questions, not guessing at anything. She was just telling me facts. Then the passenger, whose name was uh, Diane, she uh, was just giggling the entire time. She thought it was hilarious. And they just, and I didn't know what to say or anything. Uh, cause someone's telling me about something that I already knew about, mm-hmm. details. And so um, – they passed the laundromat I saw and I said, wait, I got to get out. No, we're going to get something to eat. I said, I don't have any money. And uh, they said, don't worry, we're going to buy. And uh, we're going to go to this great Mexican restaurant. And I said, I hate Mexican food. (laughs) Oh, you'll love this. And so uh, no matter how insistent I was, they wouldn't let me out of the car and they kept on going. And it was on seventh street and Indian school was a restaurant in uh, the Phoenix area, and it was mm-hmm. called a Cucaracha. And it had hitching posts in front, a dirt driveway, and uh, it was literally the best food I had ever had in my life, I think. Yeah. And, so, uh, and chimichangas. <laughs> so uh, from there, uh, they said, okay, we're going to take you back now. And no talking during the entire time. And we were just enjoying the meal. So they took me back to uh, the laundromat where they said they would. And they said, see you later. And I said, wait, how do I contact you? And so they rattled off as they were driving away an address. And uh, during that uh, time, I'm saying, I can't remember things. Uh, You know, I have very short uh, 
terrible short-term memory. Mm-hmm. And I said, bye. So it was 7 o'clock that night that I was praying to God that this was their address. And, uh, and it was. They answered the door. I said, oh, great. We've been waiting for you. And so that was it. Uh, then I stayed with them. They got me a job uh, uh, making lenses for glasses. And I worked with them. Uh, I lived with them. And it was just awesome. And my entire life changed. Then one day, without ever mentioning anything, they said, okay, we're leaving. It was about nine months later. And I said, what are you talking about? You're leaving. Everything's great. And they said, we're leaving. And uh, we're going to uh, an organization, an order that we're a part of. They never mentioned the order or anything. Wow. And it was, uh, we ended up going to it in okay. California. And uh, that's where they uh, introduced me uh, to the secretary that was downstairs of this Gothic three-story building, uh, one of the order buildings. And uh, the secretary said, okay, I'll uh, put you on the list for going upstairs before the council. Wow. And that was it. And so here I am leaving the chapel and uh, the next morning I still didn't know if I wanted to stay there. I wanted to travel. So I'm at six in the morning, I'm walking around this three story building, figuring out, and no one else was on the street at the time. Am I going to stay or am I going to leave? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? And then it was about 50 feet in front of me. There was a street bump uh, with tattered clothing, unshaven, unkept, greasy head. He was about up to here on me. And um, he's walking purposefully towards me, just looking at me. And I figured, okay, either this guy's going to knife me, shoot me, yell at me, say something vile, hit me, whatever. I didn't know. So I started puffing myself up and looking rough and tough and hard to bluff. And I figured, okay, I'm going to lay this guy out before he does anything to me. And he gets up to me and standing in front of me, and he's looking at me, and he's saying, put your hands on my head. I said, what? And he said, put your hands on my head. And so uh, I felt this compulsion to do that, a need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I put my hands on his greasy head, looked around, make sure no one else was looking because I didn't want to be embarrassed from that. And all of a sudden I felt this weird sensation coming out of my hands. And I didn't know if it was the blood pressure, the heat of the day coming on, mm-hmm. or what it was. And it lasted for about five or seven seconds. Mm-hmm. And then he said, as he's looking at me, take your hands down. And I took my hands down, looking at him real quizzically. And um, he said, thanks for taking my headache away. And he walked away and I never saw him again. It was, And I just went in, had breakfast, tried to blow off everything. And then later that afternoon, there were uh, several of the brothers hanging out outside. Mm-hmm. So I figured, you know, maybe there's someone I can talk with here and, you know, uh, see, you know, answer my questions or whatever. Right. And there was this really tall brother that came up to me, who I never saw before, and at least in the past day and a half, and he uh, said, I have a headache. And he's just looking down at me, and I'm looking up at him. I said, so? And he repeated, I have a headache. And I said, well, take some aspirin. <laughs> He's saying it again. I have a headache. Then I remembered what had happened that late afternoon before and what had happened that morning. I said, can I try something really weird with you? And he says, yeah. 
And so I reached up on my toes, put my hands on his head, and I felt the same sensation. It lasts for a few seconds. And he said, how in the hell did you do that? I said, why the hell did you ask me to? Wow, yeah. And so uh, that was uh, the start of it all. Wow, that, that is incredible. Uh, yeah, and ever since then, I've been working with it, uh, learning about it, and even till today, and now it's about 45, 46 years later. Wow. So you, you stayed with the order for a while once you... Yeah, okay. yeah for about uh, almost 10 years. Okay. And um, all of us are still, you know, uh, in communication, and we all acknowledge each other's, you know, positions or office. And um, uh, sometimes there'll be gatherings and stuff like that. Uh, we're all fairly friendly. Yeah. And, um, some are uh, went into um, Greek Orthodoxy, their priests and their mm-hmm. bishops, and other people went into Russian Orthodoxy or Christian Orthodoxies. Some went into uh, just being artists or university professors or whatever they do, attorneys, you name it. Yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. So did you at that time become a, a healer as a profession or where did you go from there? From there, I went to uh, Motorola. Okay. And, um, I worked at Motorola for uh, quite a while, about uh, seven years, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was at Motorola, someone had an accident on one of the pieces of machinery. I was a repair tech at the time and um, in charge of a team and all. And the person that had a uh, injury, they got their hand cut uh, or caught in a automatic insertion machine. And uh, the, the woman screamed and everyone in the factory, hundreds of people heard it. And a few people milling around, I went there and the supervisor saying, I'll get the code. I'm taking you to the ER. And uh, so he uh, went off to get her coat and his coat. And I, with, I didn't even notice all the people there. I just, said, give me your hand. And she uh, looked at me and it was real quiet and she gave me her hand and I sandwiched it in between mine and I worked with her for a couple moments and the supervisor came back and he said, quick, quick, let's go, let's go. And she looked at her hand and it was gone. Uh, The injury, uh, there was uh, like a mass on her palm. Mm -hmm. Everyone's, I looked and everyone's looking at me, and I just kind of to, I just felt like I just wanted to squirm away and not be noticed. Mm-hmm. So it was from then on that people at Motorola started asking me to work with them, their families, and mm-hmm. et, cetera, et cetera. And so uh, I started getting appointments. I was working full time, a time and a half really, and then um, uh, people were booking with me. Uh, all the other time that I was off, even during my sleeping time. Mm-hmm. And so one day I said, okay, God, you know, uh, what's the scoop here? Am I to do this uh, publicly from now on? And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, 
I went to uh, personnel. I said, I need a leave of absence. And they didn't ask me why, nothing, uh, which was unheard of. And uh, so they gave me six months. And in that six months time, I was literally booked seven days a week, 14 hours a day, every hour in the hour. Wow. During that time, from then on. And uh, then it started growing. Uh, and I was asked to do workshops and develop into that from there on. I've worked with uh, many people, all kinds of situations. Now it's turned into uh, from just putting my hands on someone's head uh, or working with a specific area. Now I can teach uh, how to work with the whole body and I can, I'm able to turn it into an entire appointment uh, up to an hour, 45 minutes to an hour uh, very easily. I work now more with the counseling, the spiritual counseling uh, of the creation of disease in most people. Mm, okay. Uh, there are such things as uh, that exist. <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. as accidents. Uh, accidents do happen. It's just a part of thing. You're at the wrong place at the wrong time, and someone who uh, consequentially uh, came uh, out of nowhere, uh, it wasn't planned on by the universe. Will create a situation. Even if you're at the right place, they weren't planned on uh, through their uh, own lack of integrity or whatever. They created a situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, so accidents do exist some of the time, and the body does deteriorate ever since the moment that we take our first breath. There's a deterioration of the body. Right, right. So, and most often I can help a person to feel better emotionally. Uh, mentally and uh, physiologically, biologically, neurologically, whatever. Okay. Skeletal, injury-wise, you name it. So you work both, both, both injury and disease, and it sounds yeah. like emotional and spiritual you know, situations. Yes. Most people will be affected. Not everyone is for me, and nor am I for everyone. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Um, many times I'll look inside when I'm working with someone that is uh, – uh, hurting inside emotionally or physically or mentally. And I'll say, okay, God, what's the, what's the scoop here? What's the reason? And uh, sometimes I'm told um, or I'm shown. Uh, I, we hear and see through our knowing. So mm-hmm. uh, through that knowing aspect, I'm shown and told. Mm-hmm. And uh, other times, uh, you know, I'll be looking deeper and deeper and deeper and say, okay, what's the scoop here? What's the scoop? And then all of a sudden uh, I'm told it's none of your business. Just do your job. And I say, okay, boss. You know? yeah, yeah. So when you're, um, I'm going to ask you a question about like the origins of disease. Do you, does it start in the physical body? Does it start spiritually? Do, are you, are you tapping into that when you're healing? Sometimes. Um, and what I found, uh, I've worked with and taught uh, about who knows, maybe 25 to 35,000 people over the many years. Mm-hmm. Since I've been doing this publicly. And uh, I believe with all my heart that not all the time, but quite often in our lives, things start in childhood and even a little bit uh, further back than that. There are patterns uh, uh, that, say, our parents went through when we were in the womb. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a receptivity that, say, if the mother's being abused or, or yelled at or isn't uh, what I refer to as a shock trauma. Then all of a sudden, you know, that is going to that vibration, that frequency is going to affect, affect, you know, that child Mm -hmm. uh, that's unborn yet. 
And uh, so things can start there. And also it falls into play, uh, say, from the grandparents. Uh, so things can influence and create uh, who we are, what we are, what we are today from situations that have happened that is shock trauma, that haven't been worked, worked through necessarily. Mm-hmm. And uh, working through is, is uh, what I refer to as just acknowledging, taking a look at, seeing. And then a pattern uh, is quite often broken. But those things affect us into the who, what, and why we are today. Yeah. And most situations happen between, who knows, between three and seven or nine years of age, where we're so influenced by what's happening in our world around us, our atmosphere around us. Mm-hmm. And that alters patterns. It changes patterns from constructive to destructive in our lives. Okay. And we have an option to also be objectively observant to see, um, uh, do I want this in my life or not? Do I want to participate in this or not? So we get to have what's called free will. Right, right. And utilize that uh, to the highest degree as we choose. And we usually work things out later in life. Uh, we see that we don't have to <clears throat> grow up this way. Excuse me, I go horse a lot. I don't talk so much. Yeah, I understand. And uh, we don't have to grow up this way or live the rest of our life if we choose, if I just look at this objectively, observantly. Mm-hmm. And if, as we do, then we're not participating in the dilemma or drama or trauma. Okay. Then the pattern's broken. Okay. Then what happens when the pattern is broken, uh, there's, uh, okay, what do I do now in my life? There's an awkward feeling what do you fill it with? Well, if we don't plan on doing anything, it's, it's fine because we're going to find something to replace it with in our life. Our, our mental status is going to change. Our expressions are going to change. Mm-hmm. Our actions are going to change automatically for us, I believe. This mm-hmm. is all what I've experienced and witnessed in life with people. Okay. So it sounds like maybe initially you started off with the the physical healing. I mean, and you're obviously still doing that, but you're kind of maybe moved into like you're doing more counseling and spiritual stuff. Is that I true? Uh, right. I try to incorporate uh, uh, the healing with uh, the counseling as well. Yeah. Well, I don't diagnose. I don't prescribe it. I don't tell anyone to heal from day one. My order stressed. Uh, from the very beginning when this, uh, when the gift showed. But the gift is, there are no such thing as gifts. We're the gift. Hmm. We are the gift. And there's nothing really external. Some people have a propensity to have it a little bit stronger than other people because that's their place in life. Some people less, but other people in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that brings. I wanted to ask you about that because you said you you teach healing now. You, this is something that you can that you can teach. So how does that work? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. 
I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Very simply, initially I thought that, um, oh my God, I got its gift. My order uh, stressed that you have a gift. Don't do anything publicly ever with this thing while I was in the order. Mm -hmm. But what I saw, it was my calling to work with people that were hurting in some way or another. It hurts me to see someone that's hurting. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I just give from my heart as much as I can. And Mm -hmm. I haven't been struck down by God or uh, uh, put in a cage or anything like that. Um, I've learned that I can utilize this in a kosher way. And Mm -hmm. it's okay to do this uh, stuff. And, you know, it's allowing that divinity, that godliness to come forth from us. We all have it. The world's changing. It's evolving. It's growing. And... um, you know, it, it, it's nothing really extraordinary. And I help people to realize that they too can do it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Really, really important uh, to varying degrees. And if I can clone a lot of little me's, great. You know, I love it. <laughs> so are most of the people take your courses, are they professional healers? Like, Are they people that work with other modalities? Like we've heard of Reiki and things like that. Um, is, it, is it something similar to that? It doesn't matter. Uh, okay what course of study you've ever had uh, or what degree you are in it. Uh, it it's really non-relevant. Um, I've taught many, many, many uh, masters of various modalities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I feel my way is uh, what I've learned and what I utilize is really simple. It's esoteric at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means uh, uh, it uses a lot of intuition. Uh, uh, the teachings are there, and, mm-hmm. work, uh, and we can allow ourselves to be open enough to receive something different than what other people uh, may perceive and uh, what they get in meditative state. It's a, uh, it, it can go even deeper than that uh, with the uh, inner teaching, the intuitions. All gifts have intuition in them. Okay. If that can exist, that doesn't have it. So we okay. all have it to varying degrees, according to our acknowledgement of it. And I help people to try to understand it, uh, you know, to varying degrees. So you're helping people kind of tap into the intuition that they already have? That'd be the way of... Yes, and to okay. develop it. Okay. And um, I utilize it mostly, uh, there's various gifts, uh, but I utilize it mostly uh, through the healing. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, going inside, you know, without a ritual and saying, uh, okay, boss, you know, what's the scoop here? What's this about? What's this about? Yeah. The old man or a woman upstairs, which is really inside through a Gnostic perspective, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really inside and uh, it's just waiting to express through us and come forth from us. So, yeah. yeah, Which is awesome. So, um, what would you say to someone who goes to a healer and doesn't get healed? Is there, is there sometimes when we're meant to have that, that disease or is there sometimes it just doesn't work? Sometimes it, uh, 
it won't be there, but not for the reasons that it wasn't meant to be. Uh, I believe, uh, through my experience uh, and what I teach also, mm -hmm. that uh, maybe the person uh, is not being not ready, but maybe they're evolving into that. And mm -hmm. uh, there are some people that, uh, like in the healing circles, I uh, generally pull in, uh, uh, well, it used to be 50 to 250 every week, and now it's a lot less because I stopped doing a lot of the uh, stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, some people will experience it uh, either immediately. Most people will experience something immediately, and other people will experience it as soon as they walk out the door or walking down the street two weeks or two months later saying, oh, my God, when did this leave me? And if they remember me, fine. If they don't, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and it just happens like that. One time at a healing circle uh, in Chicago, uh, lots and lots of people, a couple hundred people there. And uh, the healing circles are real casual. Everyone's around me and I'm in the center. I call up one person at a time. Well, if there's a large amount of people, uh, three or four at a time. So I'm working on this one fellow who came up and uh, there was another fellow in the... Uh, uh, in the circle around with all these people and uh, I try to keep it real casual they can talk murmur to themselves as long as they don't stop me from doing what I'm doing and mm -hmm. they can ask me questions at time too in an orderly way so okay. the one fellow said wow you must feel really good Mark you know to be able to heal people and he was just blown away and you know in this ecstatic moment or whatever and uh, just laugh, laughing it up and uh, I stopped, I looked at him and everyone became really silent and thought I was gonna yell at him or something like that or, or brag or something. And I said, you know, I don't give a damn. <laughs> I really don't. The only thing that matters to me is if a person's life changes. Mm. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know? so yeah. When it happens, how it happens, why it happens. It's like the whole universe converges to uh, work this one synchronistic event together to eventually uh have that person's life change yeah in some way it's a, it's a great symphony and it's all teaming together how it functions why when where i don't know i just say okay boss i'll feel things uh through people's uh, what i've heard to as the morphic fields fields of information to come forth mm -hmm. i'll feel things uh where a dilemma or a cause might be and I'll go there and uh, I can sense when it broke, uh, it's no longer affecting the person or it will no longer be affecting that person in their life or something will change. Last mm -hmm. night, I had a uh, healing circle uh, here in the Boulder area. And uh, right before the circle, the person who was helping me set up at Columbine, a Unity Columbine Spiritual Center, um, uh, she was helping me set up the room and all. And she says, you know, I can't stay for the circle, but I got this problem that's been bugging me for, you know, quite a while now. And my, uh, my shoulder and my neck, and it's all locked. And I just have no movement. And it's, it's very painful for a long time now. And I said, okay, you know, come here. And so she came over, this woman, and I put my hands on her and uh, for about a minute or so. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Nothing uh, transpired. She says, oh, yeah, she was trying to appease me, saying, oh, it feels better. Yeah. Great, yeah. Good, great, even though I knew what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, see you later. And she said, will you uh, uh, 
you know, maybe I'll come to you next week too. And uh, I said, um, wait till the morning and get some sleep. See what happens when you wake up. Because mm-hmm. I, I saw that. And I shared it with her. And she said, oh, okay. And so she left disheartened you know, to some extent. And I didn't say any more. I don't make excuses for myself or anything else. I know that something is always happening. It's never the mm-hmm. same story. Mm-hmm. And so I got a text from her this morning. She said, oh, my God, it's 95% gone. I have mobility now. No, you know, The pain is just almost non-existent. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It always, always. And we're able to affect things. Not everything pertains to childhood, though, either. Sometimes mm-hmm. the body deteriorates. As I mentioned earlier, it can deteriorate from, say, the moment we take our first breath, being born, it begins right there. Right, right. Ox- uh, oxidation and everything else that happens in the body. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're always on the path uh, for aging. And you know, I, I don't change people's hair color or uh, anything like that. But yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, I spoke with the healer uh, last week as part of the, the work I do with helping parents heal. And um, we had a group of parents on, of course, and our, our children have transitioned. And, you know, there were a lot of parents who were asking, well, why wasn't my daughter healed or why wasn't my son healed? Um, so how would you answer that question to a parent that, that's, that's had a child? maybe even taken them to someone, you know, they've been prayed for, they've been, they've gone to healers and, and it, it doesn't work for them. Sure. And, you know, and, and this might uh, strike discord with some people, but um, accidents happen too. And I want to keep that in mind. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes a child is hit by someone who all of, you know, all of a sudden felt like they should get drunk and go down the street that they've never been down before. Yeah. You know, driving and, and things like that. Or, or, the body sometimes uh, ch- uh, children are born with a gene or uh, or uh, some kind of uh, uh, biological situation where they're destined to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Those uh, yeah. of situations, and you know, oftentimes uh, I've worked with uh, uh, grieving parents uh, and children as well that were in the process of passing, and. Um, and sometimes I'm able to help and sometimes I'm not able to, it's, it's mm-hmm. not my place and there's something right. wrong. And so it's not my place all the time. Often it is, thank God. And, uh, I get to have the experience of, of helping someone feel better, uh, you know, in those ways. Um, but I also know, and this is the most important thing for me in, in my life, that that child is also affecting so many other people in their lives and, and how they're going to be in the future mm-hmm. because of whatever is transpiring. Sure, mm-hmm. it's a great loss. Maybe they were born to, uh, to experience the initiation of death at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've seen that where that has been in some occasions. Yeah. And, uh, they just needed to have the initiation of death to have that experience so mm-hmm. they could go on and evolve into something even greater. I also know that in my experience and my teaching um, and what I've read as well uh, at times years ago that we've been here hundreds of thousands of times 
and I believe with all my heart uh, that being the case uh, in what I've experienced and learned uh, is that we're going to be here hundreds of thousands of times more. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, this is my last time. Yeah, everybody says that. <laughs> and so uh, they got it all figured out. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, that's okay. If that's true, great. Yeah. Uh, no qualms with that. And I'm often saying, beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, we go through experiences for the purpose of evolution. And we're also contained in a, what I refer to, or what others refer also as a soul group that allows us to evolve in, with a similar mind, even though we don't know these people right away in life. Uh, but uh, and they're always coming in, leaving, and this and that, mm -hmm. and uh, but and it's composed of thousands and thousands of main people, mm -hmm. and uh, or even more, I don't know. Uh, but if we didn't have the evolutionary process through other times and other places, we would be like Neanderthal, not even know how to use a fork after being taught, or or have finesse on how to do things. It's an evolution that yeah. happened with us and we evolve into uh greater and greater and greater and more yeah. and, so, and as far as you know with the children uh, those one time that um when i was first starting this first story pops in my head is a um uh this mexican family that called me up and uh they said uh, we heard about you. Can you please help us? And they, I said, what's the scoop? And they said, well, we're at uh, such and such a hospital in, in uh, I think it was Rush Press St. Luke's in uh, Chicago uh, hospital system. And they said, uh, our newborn who's three days old has a um, uh, tight intestine and uh, she's in total pain and the doctor's having an incubator and they're going to do surgery uh, tomorrow please, can you help us? And so I said, yeah, sure, I'll try. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. I never do. So I got to the hospital and uh, I put my hands through the gloves that went into the incubator. I put my hands on the belly of the uh, three-day-old. And it's just it's, it's, uh, incessantly non-stopping and crying. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, I did my work with her. Uh, and I, inside me, I watched it uh, untie in that knot. And then the baby stopped. And the parents looked at me. I looked at the parents. And, was, you know, not knowing what was happening, I just did it. And I knew inside that it was untied, but I didn't know a lot of the dynamics. Or, or in real time, I didn't know why the child had stopped crying, mm -hmm. and, uh, if it had passed or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I took my hands out and I said, I'm done. And, uh, and then I left and the whole thing took maybe about seven minutes. Wow. And so that day uh, the uh, father called me and uh, he said, uh, the doctor, you know, they did more x-rays and scans or whatever. And the intestine isn't tied anymore and they don't understand why. Uh, but we want to thank you very, very much. Yeah. And things like that can happen very easily. I've seen thousands and thousands of things. Right, you know, right. That way. You know, and it's all through knowing 
and accepting. That's what healing is. It's just knowing and accepting. Uh, mm -hmm. And for all the years, I, I've been learning that since day one. It's knowing. Yeah. Well, thanks. I that, I appreciate you sharing that answer with me because it's that's that's a question that comes up often in the in the groups that I'm with, and um, you know, it's yeah, it's not knowing. You know what's going to happen. Uh, right. Not knowing that you're also in a world of trust and you're trusting what we call God, creator, universal mind, mm -hmm. you know, higher source. I call it God personally. And um, I don't know how it's going to happen, what's going to happen, why, when, where, what, or anything. Right. And I say, okay, boss, uh, take over, do this for me. But I know it's coming from within. I don't know uh, if, if why a, a child is going to go through trauma uh, you know, the way that they do and for the, for what purpose? Uh, I just know that when I'm available, I'm there hopefully to bring ease to that child or to help a transition. Yeah. Going through the death. Uh, but I also know that it's not the end of the world, so to say, uh, going through the death means, uh, going from one place into another place. Yeah. Uh, a rare place, you know? Yeah. And that's the perspective that, uh, you know, I, I try to, that's part of what I'm doing, trying to do with this show is to help people to, to get to that perspective that, you know, even if you're, if your child passes or if you're not healed, that's not the ultimate failure. Um, death is something that comes to all of us at some point, no matter how great of a healer, you, you know, how many healers you see, at some point, we all transition and we go back home. That's yeah. that's that's a part of life. It is, and it is life. Yeah. And so you know, we have to live in that life as well. But you know, we have the world around us that we rely on, and mm -hmm. we have these children, uh, or uh, someone a little bit older, uh, like a relative, or you know, that's in the teens, or twenties, or thirties, or forties, or up, that passes, and but we've relied on them in our hearts in some way. Mm -hmm. And we're a part of the world. They were a part of our world. And now what are we going to do? And so sometimes, uh, not often, but sometimes I'll be able to see things. And uh, at one of the healing circles uh, in Arizona, there was uh, uh, everyone's around and I'm talking a little bit in the center explaining what I'm going to be doing and stuff and how, the, how everything's going to work at the circle. And then, all of a sudden, I flipped my head around, and there was a, a woman off to the left, uh, and I saw like a superimposed mask on her, and it was uh, another face, and I recognized it inside as her husband, hmm. and I said, um, uh, I know that your husband passed just now, or excuse me, the other day, and, and I know that you're grieving, but I want you to know that he wouldn't be here now unless... Uh, he was there to let you know. And uh, so uh, he's alive and well in, in you know, a much higher vibratory place, you know, a, a much greater place without the things that we carry today here. And yeah. uh, he's there and he wants you to know that. And he's alive and well in his world. And he will be coming back. And she just had this huge burden lifted from her. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Then all of a sudden, I turned around and there was another woman there who just lost her child, 
who was 14 years old or 12 years old or something like that. Mm. And the same thing. It was the same darn thing. And so, you know, there is life after life. And, uh, you know, so enjoy what we have now and, you know, let go of some of the old patterns that feel awkward to us when we're confronting people or when we're living our lives. Let go of the patterns that don't necessarily feel right anymore by recognizing them, what they are. That's all you have to do. Just recognize yeah. what the pattern might be, then it's broken. Yeah, yeah. Greater will come in. And then maybe also we'll be opening ourselves to a greater communication uh, yeah. from that's out of this realm. You know, who knows? knows? Now, do you believe that maybe sometimes illness could be serving a purpose? It could be maybe a wake-up call? Could be, yeah. Uh, Sometimes uh, I am the last person in the world to talk about exercise or dietary, and unfortunately. And um, uh, so, uh, but sometimes for uh, people I work with uh, quite often, a lot of the people that I work, I'll just come right out. I take no prisoners usually when I say stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of the people that I work with, uh, they've either become uh, health food freaks or vegans or vegetarians or something. And, uh, and the other uh, huge chunk of people that I work with, not all people, but the other huge chunk of people that I work with are the ones that are starting to do exercise in life for the past year or two. And so, I work a lot with people <laughs> that uh, are into health stuff or exercise stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I say, you know, just grab your remote and sit back, you know, <laughs> watch TV and yeah. don't move ever and uh, eat your uh, popcorn and chips. You know, so, <laughs> uh, not really, but, you know, I eat well, It's interesting you bring that up because I, I follow Anita Marjani, who you probably know, you know, had a near-death experience and had, had cancer that was terminal, was in the hospital, was dying miraculous healing and everything. And she attributes her cancer, at least in part, to the fact that she was so fearful about her health. And she was a health food freak and just, you know, did everything right and everything. And so now she, I would say she probably teaches more moderation uh, in terms of, you know, that, that whole thing. It's a shock to the body. Even after a couple of years, it's still a shock to the body. It's uh, in some sense, I don't know why this comes to mind, but in some sense, it's no different really than going for a, a minor or major surgery and they're going moving the organs around and it's all taken care of whatever the situation was. But then for the next two years, you're uh, experiencing the organs coming back to where they belong or, or naturally sit. Mm-hmm. So you go through hell in pain and discomforts and doctors saying everything's okay. We don't know what's wrong. But for two years, you're going through bad stuff, you know, yeah. it's and you're in pain. And yeah. That leaves impressions in the mind, and you get sicker from the impressions, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, uh, uh, you know it is correctable mm-hmm. uh, that kind of situation and for the people that are shocking themselves into eating healthy or all of a sudden or doing massive amounts of exercise. It is correctable. The muscles have a memory uh, of what their origin is that you can actually help them to relax and to find their place mm-hmm. uh, or the organs inside of a body doesn't matter mm-hmm. and uh, just by uh, one way that I utilize and work with 
is through watching uh, what I refer to as the hands of God come out of mind and go into the person and correct the situation. I know nothing anatomically or medically. And uh, so I pretty much rely on the boss and its hands coming out of me mm -hmm. and doing it all just about. And, wow. Uh, so um, it, it happens. We can correct the injuries that we have. We can correct the uh, after uh, surgical procedures, mm -hmm. uh, after the surgeries from the procedures. Uh, we can correct the mind as well very easily in most situations. Yeah. But for most situations. So, um, what are your workshops like when you, when when people? If I want to come in and learn healing from you, is that like a weekend thing, or how does that work? Uh, the average workshop that I do is uh, one day long on spiritual healing, mm -hmm. and then uh, there's varying degrees so that I can teach if if I wanted uh, a little more advanced into a two day. But mm -hmm. uh, the other main uh, workshop that I have is a three-day apprentice program. Mm -hmm. and I'll be offering one sometime, in, I believe, in September in uh, Phoenix. Okay. Um, I taught thousands of people. And um, then another set of workshops that I do is uh, on intuition. Another one is a workshop that I do, uh, which will be expanding as well, going into anxiety, worry, and fear. Oh, wow. That's, that's much needed, yeah. People's minds just change, starting off as soon as they walk into the room, all the way through the end. It's just incredible. Okay. And, uh, and then uh, there's another workshop that I have. Uh, I refer to it as a. It's a three-day. Uh, I refer to it as the illumination, where they get to experience the light within them. And wow. Within. Okay. And then it's learning how to work with it, be a part of it, and let it be a part of you in your life. Wow. And all these are available to, to look at on your website? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, everything's on the, <coughs> excuse me, on the website. Okay. And could you give us that? It's, it's markerlichs.com, is that right? Yes. www, of course. Um, markerlichs.com. Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spell your name because I spelled it wrong the other day. So it's E-A-R-L-I-X. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, you've written a couple of books, too. So could you tell, tell me about the books you've written? Sure. Um, the original one was um, uh, Awaken the Healer Within. Mm -hmm. And that was based off of um, uh, just my experiences, my teachings, uh, etc. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an awesome book. Uh, a lot of people complimented me on it. I said, thank you, thank you. Okay. And, uh, then another book was a, uh, a short uh, book not sure. I think it was 84 pages or something or less. Uh, and it was a conversation I was having with an angelic uh, one night. Um, I was mad at God. I just hated God, you know, going through the space. Mm -hmm. and, um, uh, real perplexed. And I'm arguing uh, with this angel. But first it started off where there was a walk-in closet uh, next to uh, the bedroom, of course. And mm -hmm. It was about uh, two in the morning, three in the morning, and all of a sudden, uh, I woke up to this bright light, and it was coming from the closet. Hmm. And, um, and I looked in the closet, off the side of my bed. And there was 
nothing in there. <clears throat> and so I just figured it was an angelic. I had a lot of these experiences all the time. Hmm. And so, um, as and I start saying, okay, what are you about, you know, and uh, what are you here for, you know, to try to influence me or something, trying to change me, and I was mad, I was really mad at God, Yeah. Uh, for the past several days, for about two weeks, I guess, uh -huh. and, uh, all of a sudden, inside of me, uh, there was a conversation that started happening from my thinking uh, to uh, it answering me inside, so I have a book called Take My Life uh, that has that conversation in it. Wow. And it was literally, it came out uh, where it didn't even need hardly any edit at all. It was just so well done. Uh, blew me away. Wow. Okay. Thank you very much. That sounds, that sounds fascinating. I will definitely have to check that out. And then uh, Nightingale Conant, uh, the publishers, uh, video, uh, audio publishers, uh, done everyone, uh, they, uh, uh, they called me up one day and uh, said, we'd like to do the book. And I said, great. Mm -hmm. Originally, uh, uh, back in 97, there was this uh, huge expo in Chicago that had between 70 and 90,000 people walking through for two days. Uh, Vic Conant and uh, another fellow, Gary, uh, a friend of mine, uh, they uh, were walking through, and I just had to lift up my head, and I looked at these two strangers, and I said, hey, how's your heart? And the guy's looking around, and... I said, how's your heart, you? And he came over to the table with Gary, and he said, uh, I was just at the doctor this morning, and they uh, told me that my ticker wasn't too good. And I said, come over here. <laughs> it just came out of me to see that. And, just said, mm -hmm. and so I put my hands on him, and his life changed. And he says, hey, you ever need you know, your cassettes put into uh, CDs? You know, just come on over. We'll do them for you gratis. And I said, great. And it was a couple months later, I thought they were just a garage company. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. and, um, wow. So a months later, my staff insisted that I you know, give them a call. And they might be, you know, something viable. So I did. And mm -hmm. they had me to the company, gave me the tour. It was huge, this place. Mm -hmm. and, um, recording studios, uh, sales departments, marketing departments, you name it, everything. Uh, all kinds of management and stuff. Lots of people worked there. And it was smaller than a garage, or excuse me, larger than a garage. Yeah, yeah, really. And so um, uh, they later, they always kept in contact with me, and then they said, we'd like to do the book. So they had me to Chicago, and uh, and they put it into audio form. Okay, okay. Which was pretty neat. It was a bestseller for them. Which is Wait, and was this one of the two books you mentioned earlier? Uh, yes, it's okay. uh, the audio uh, of the uh, it's about eight CDs and uh, it's from Nightingale Conan okay. and uh, audio producers great food publishing company great that sounds so fantastic dealer with him as well yeah well Mark I want to thank you very much for, for being with me today it's been a true honor having you on and, and hearing your story uh, fascinating so I really appreciate what you being with me and looking forward to, uh, to seeing you in the future. Yeah, markerlix.com. Thank you so much. I, I'm grateful for this. And yeah. It's, it's been great. Have a great day. Enjoy. Well, that's it for another episode of Grief to Growth. This is your host, Brian Smith. 
Reach out to me anytime at grieftogrowth.com. That's G-R-I-E-F, the number two, growth.com. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll be back with you with another podcast soon. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.